This week, we were joined by Tom Rimmer, VP of Technology at Ennismore, live from the basement at Accor Towers, to talk about why technology doesn't mean humans need to go away, and what augmented hospitality actually means in one simple phrase. Hello, and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, which is the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. Um, today, we are joined by Catherine, who is in Paris with a slightly dubious cup of coffee. Yes, indeed. I think it might be curdling in front of me, but um, as I was just saying, I think this may be the next evolution in coffee. I know that we're all desperate to move on from the flat white. Um, and uh, I think I think it could be like a sourdough starter. So it's like slightly cruddy at the bottom, but probably will feed the next 400 coffees. So. so there you go. Expect expect that to be the baristas around the world to be jumping on that exactly any minute now, and presumably charging an extra quid as well. Yeah, bring bring your bring your no geared bike around my around my way. That's all I have to say to that. Very good. You heard it here first. Um, and our guest this week, also in Paris, which is delightful in itself, is Tom Rimmer, who is the VP of Technology at Ennismore. Tom, good morning. How are you? Good morning to you both. Uh, very well, thank you. Yes, uh, not from Paris, as you can probably tell by my accent, um, but fully supportive of a sourdough-esque coffee startup. I'll get behind that. Having, uh, having maintained a sourdough starter throughout the pandemic. Throughout? And produced results, no less. Oh, where do you where do you stand on where do you stand on scoring? Because a friend of mine was having a lot of issues with scoring the other day. But, uh, I stand with the sharpest possible blade, which I always pick up in the wrong way out of the box, cutting myself each time. Oh yes, you should pick up by the handle. Highly recommended to pick up by the handle. So this kind of a job is what you'll be able to enjoy in my coffee shop. <laughs> Bloody bread and off pick coffee. Up knives by the handle. <laughs> I can see this 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 picking up no end i mean if anybody fancies investing in this as a as a as a pure concept you are very welcome coffee shop book channel four series Ta-da. it's the natural progression tom did you um did you sourdough pre-pandemic or was this a or was this a pandemic activity not like every uh mid-30s uh man who has children who needed something to do i started making my own bread and i started making my own beer which were two things, two hobbies that I picked up as a result of being indoors a lot. Um, and I've somewhat kept it up. The bread, the bread more than the beer. Beer's a bit more difficult. But uh, yeah, it was, it was very much a pandemic hobby. Uh, my wife did not enjoy it for the first six weeks until I got somewhat reasonable at it. And then since then, we've had, you know, baguettes, sourdough loaves, the kids get bagels. Everyone's a winner. No. Also, nice. all round to Tom's if it's the end of the end of days, because you'd be laughing. You've got your beer and your bread. What more do you need? Mm. Well, you need to bring the flour. I mean, I'm not running high on supplies of flour. That's my problem. I see. I see. I see. That there being the challenge. Well, congratulations. And you did you opt for banana bread as well, or was it just the sourdough you enjoyed? No, I'm not a banana bread uh, partaker. So it was simply sourdough and other savoury breads of choice. Very good. Right. Very good. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Um. See how do you see what weighty matters we discussed in these podcasts? These are the heavy hitting topics. People they, want to know, know. We go in. What we go in hard. been doing in the pandemic, and they're pleased yeah. to pleased to receive this news. I'm sure. And you join us today from uh, Accor Towers, I believe. How is Accor Towers? Uh, big French and um, daunting at first, but very welcoming uh, once you dig in. Uh, team here have been great, actually. It's uh, it's my second time visiting Sequana, and uh, I rather enjoy coming over here. 
Hey, how was your travel? Was it restriction free? Did you have to fill out any questionnaires while you did it? Was it was it a joyful experience? I'm slightly disappointing. I, I I I was told I had to do a test, so I, I did dutifully did my test. Had the results ready on my phone with the QR code and everything. Arrived at the border. Not not a mention of it. Not a mention of the piece of paper that I very dutifully wrote out and uh, your sworn statement, over. statement of honor my sworn statement um mm. both ignored so yeah able to come in and uh, get down to business so no complaints i'm just a little bit disappointed that my hard work went unnoticed it's it's a shame isn't it when that happens but they have now dropped the test requirement haven't they so i guess you would have just missed that you would probably <laughs> just literally last, by 24 hours i think the yeah. last person to be nose poked before going over the border it was I'm you still poking my nose on a regular basis and yeah, just of course, you know, of that's course. more Who fun isn't? But um, yeah, what is learn new things about yourself? It's very exciting. So yes, seamless travel. Did you see the the people with the guns and the hats walking up and down trying to see if you've been importing cheese? Uh, no, the cheese police. I don't think were on duty on a Sunday night. Maybe they're enjoying oh. their spoils of confiscation over the week. Maybe that's the night they give themselves off. Mm. Well, something to do if anyone who's thinking of coming in with cheese on a Sunday. Yeah, that's true. If you're a cheese smuggler, Sunday's the place to be. Yeah, Sunday. Go, go for it, yeah. Wink, wink and a nod mm. to the cheese guy. Cheese, mm. cheese. I've just about got over the amount of cheese I ate at Christmas. So it must be time to start eating cheese again now. Um, right, I think we should probably interspersed with the sourdough cheese and gone off coffee. Um, let's not call it gone off coffee. We'll think of some slightly yeah, I think we'll just really marketing. Rebrand that. Mature. that. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, Spuddy's come to join us. He has. He has. He loves the podcast. He's woken up. So let's have a little chat about technology. Let's talk. Let's start with the one that you've probably answered more times than you've made sourdough. How has the pandemic changed the way that we embrace technology, Tom? Oh, heavy question. Um, Heavier than the sourdough? How does that rank in the sort of... Possibly we're talking kind of a, a high, high hydration dough at this point. Um, so, so I think... Aside from the obvious, which is that everybody went remote, um, we're all working from all over the world at a moment's notice, which I, I think we at Ennismore were always doing anyway. We were opening hotels all over the world. We were ready for the pandemic in the respect of remote working. I think that the challenge with every hospitality company has been, what do you do about the guest? What does the guest want? What does the guest expect? How do we make that experience low touch? Do we want low touch? Do we want to maintain some of our human contact but do it in a safe manner so i think in terms of how it's changed as a result of the pandemic you've obviously seen the winners and the losers you've obviously seen you know the big big boys like zoom have come in and kind of uh, taken everyone's business you've seen microsoft kind of come in underground do their whole teams thing and then you've got the hospitality side which is really a, a lot of small businesses have seemed to ping up which is great it's really interesting to see that the startup world has finally paid attention to hospitality being rife for disruption. I think it's um, it, not so exciting in the immediate future, but I think the next five years are going to be where it really gets interesting in terms of change in the business, in terms of hospitality and technology. So you're going to see a lot of startups who are just getting their, you know, just growing their legs at the moment. They're going to come in, they're going to choose a couple of sites, they're going to mature their products, they're going to work with operators, feedback, and then you're going to see the real acceleration in terms of what works and what doesn't. But I still think it's too early to say who the winners are in terms of hospitality tech out of this. 
there are some quick wins that everybody took, you know, order to table. I want to be able to get my guest a beer at a moment's notice without them having to flag anyone down or speak to a member of staff. You, know, you don't want to pass COVID, but you do want that pint. Um, to, you know, the keyless entry. I don't want to see anybody when I check in. And that kind of sits... I, I always had a bit of a personal problem with that. I think technology becomes a bit of a barrier at that point. So for me personally, I think it'll be interesting over the next two, three years to see who comes out of this on top and where the investment is going. And I think we'll come to that later on. There's a whole lot of investment gone into tech uh, within hospitality over the last year and a half. Big numbers as well, right? I mean, you guys see it every day when the news hits the wire of someone taking the Series A, Series B. And you're talking hundreds of millions in some cases. So I think it'll be interesting to see where those companies spend their money and how they approach the next few years as they need to, you know, either make that money back or you know, kind of profit from what they're building right now. So what is it? Where, where, what? How, where, what? Because what is it that hospitality is lacking? Um, obviously, I mean, it lags behind sort of traditional retail or non-traditional retail and things like that. But what is it that's missing? If you, when you go into a hotel and you're staying somewhere and you have your keyless entry or not, and then you pay for your meal, order your meal, little thing. What are you thinking, I wish I could do here? Or is it about things that we can't even begin to imagine? I don't think it's about things we can't even imagine. I think it's probably starting pretty at a pretty basic level. What do I want to do here that I could do at home? What do I want? What are my creature comforts? Where do I want to be met in a digital manner? You know, we've, we've spent years trying to convince people they want to download a hotel app. Nobody wants to download a hotel app. Nobody wants to keep one of those on your phone. I'm not looking at that app when I'm not in your hotel. So why are you spending hundreds of thousands making the app? I think we've got to start to realize that people want to bring in their own tech. They want to use what they're used to using, and they want to be met on the platform that they're comfortable operating on, You know, be it their phone, be it a computer, an iPad. You need to build environments that cater for all types of devices and all types of kind of uh, ability in terms of ease of use and experience. And I think part of it for me is that kind of in-room experience. Part of it is the on-the-ground experience. I want convenience, ease. I'm happy with just having Apple Pay if someone wants to make that as easy as possible for me. But I'm also happy if there's an Apple TV in the room and I can get hold of whatever I'm watching on Netflix tonight because I just want to zone out in front of the TV for an hour or two. So I think it's this real mix of what people are used to versus what people can build on the platforms that people want to be interacting with. And that's where you're going to see the really interesting stuff happen over the next few years. Do um, I, As you were talking, I was thinking that's all well and good. And you were talking about people, but then you were being quite specific and with you and what you would like. And I wonder whether that's the bit that scares the bejesuses out of hoteliers, because um, there are, unless I'm, you know, at, hotels generally appeal to a wide range of ages demographics uh wants needs likes um and if it was all tom river and his demographic then you could build a hotel and with the tech provision relatively easily without you know needing to lie down in a dark room at the end of it but but the the chasm of um wants and needs that sit from a millennial to a Silver, are you even allowed to say silver surfer anymore? I don't know. Either end of the spectrum um, is is huge. How do you start? How do you go about that? Is it about needing to know your customer? I think it's a little bit about needing to know the customer, but it's about needing to know the market that you're operating in as well, in terms of what's the ubiquitous platform. So let's take an example of you know even my 
grandparents can use WhatsApp? Why aren't we meeting people on WhatsApp? Why aren't we running hotel operations through that kind of platform where you can understand what's being said to you back and forth? You've got an open channel. It feels comfortable because you're on the, you know, you're within the app that you understand. And I think that's where we'll really see the acceleration is using services that already exist to service hotel environments will become the winning gambit because you won't be forced to make anyone learn anything they don't understand. You won't be forced to download something, to sign in, to then click an email link, to then put your credit card in, to then receive something from your bank, etc. I'm just saying, please can I have an iron? And I'm texting a number that someone's given me. That's easy. The rest of it is more difficult. And I think you can still appeal to the Tom Rimmers of the world by having your own hotel app. And there are companies that do that very well. It's more now about that kind of common denominator between, as you say, the demographics, the age groups, what people want to use. You have to be ready to meet people on their terms as opposed to pushing something from your side onto their device. Do you, how do you do that at Ennismore? We have guest messaging tech um, at the moment. So we have kind of WhatsApp, SMS, iMessage. Um, we're just rolling a very easy to use Apple TV solution that is inclusive of television channels. So if you want BBC one, it's right there. It's plain and simple. You don't have to mess around with the source button or anything. Um, and a lot of what we do is still based on the human interactions as well. And it's about making those human interactions easy and seamless. Here's a menu. It's on a QR code on the table. Fantastic. I might want to talk to someone. I might not I have the option to order if I want, or I have the option to speak to somebody. Same with the front desk experience. I have the option to fast track ahead of time or I have the option to actually go up to the front desk and speak to people. And when I am at the front desk, that needs to be seamless and straightforward. I hand over my passport. I know it's going to get scanned if I'm in France, for example. I hand over, tap my phone on the payment terminal because it's easy. Um, so I think it's for us, especially at Hoxton and Ennismore and, and our other brands, we're now quite a bit bigger. I think it's about a mix of technology and human interaction that will really make the difference. And I don't think the human element of this needs to go away, certainly not in what we would consider to be lifestyle hoteliers, uh, hospitality. Uh, I think that will always remain. Tech will be there in the background to augment and to improve the experience, but I don't think it'll ever be a driver of what we do. It won't be the forefront of our brand kind of, you know, kind of USPs. Oh, you said augment, which means that you must be in Accor Towers. Um, <laughs> what what does augmented hospitality mean? Just <laughs> just out of the idle amusement it's going to give me. It's being it's being able to have the experience either way. So I can have a completely tech free oh. experience and still receive the same level of service that I'm used to, or I can go full tech and I still get that same kind of surprise and delight feel from something arriving at my table, or somebody's seen the data pop through to the system and knows that Tom likes a beer of this type and here you go, Mr. Rimmer, it's at your table. So it should be able to happen either way. Um, And before the pandemic, um, all of your larger hotel companies were thinking that they were going to create these great relationships, which you're now creating through technology and giving guests what they want and creating loyalty that way through loyalty programs, which were going to tell everyone everything they needed to know and all the rest of it. We've kind of seen those go by the wayside, it seems. Is that are you still thinking about loyalty programs or have they evolved? We're thinking about it. Um, I don't think we've quite figured out what we're doing yet in terms of Ennismore, um, especially because we're still kind of in our infancy in version two of Ennismore with 14 brands instead of three, you know, 90 properties instead of 11. 
we've gone big quickly. And so we're taking stock at the moment and working out what that means to us. Um, obviously, we've got all from a core sitting in the background ready if we wanted. And inevitably, I think our properties become part of that because we're a, a kind of uh, this particular segment of that market for them. Um, but in terms of what we're offering directly at Ennismore, we're still working that out. There have been a few, I'm sure you can guess what they are, kind of ideas floated around. Um, but I don't think we're quite ready to tell the world what they are yet. Um, but it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting six months ahead. I'll say that much. How is it you mentioned, well, as we know, you are you are residing at Ackle Towers. How is the relationship with Ackle going? Uh, I want to be very clear that I'm not sleeping here, uh, hmm. just in case anybody is listening. True. Uh, true. As far as you know. I'm just taking a, <laughs> yeah, taking a sleep bag out of the desk. Um, the relationship has been uh, very positive so far. So we entered into a joint venture in October last year. We've been speaking for over a year on the due diligence, everything that comes with one of those fun giant, two giant companies colliding, or one giant company and one uh, large company. Um, and actually, so far, what's happened is that everybody at Core is really excited to welcome us. And we are being seen as the upstarts. And people are coming to me from within a core and saying, we can do this in Ennismore because you guys could get away with it, whereas we couldn't quite. So we're being seen as those kind of, you know, the naughty kind of uh, naughty cousin of a core in terms of we can challenge a little bit. We can push our ideas. We have to, to a certain extent, adhere to wider policies, which I think are very sensible. You know, your data policies, et cetera, they've got that absolutely sorted. But from the challenge side, we've really got an opportunity here to take what we know and do at Ennismore and help push that within the existing lifestyle platform and then hopefully further up the chain as time goes on. So it's uh, it's been a fascinating experience to sit in a headquarters of a parent company and watch people come to you with excitement. It's it's really gives me faith in what happens over the next couple of years here because it could have gone the other way, right? We could have we could have come into something larger and a core could have come and said, well, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. There's no negotiation here. Thank you very much. Uh, you're now part of what we do. And it's it's almost been the opposite. They're looking to us in some respect on the future of what we're doing and what they were doing as a result of that. So I'm pretty optimistic. Um, and it's not just because I'm sleeping in their headquarters. <laughs> so as you you it, um, when, when 25 Hours joined, um, Bazan said, oh, now we've got 25 hours. It's um, it's legitimized having staff who have tattoos. It's okay now to work at Accor and have tattoos. So that was what they bought. Um, so are you? What are you? What are you bringing? What would you say your big gift was? Uh, well, as you as you can see, I have many face tattoos. So that's they're probably just allowed. That just means that they'll sort of, you know move you into 25 hours. That's that's all that means. <laughs> yeah, so put post in 25 hours. Um, I think. It'll be the fact that we have a bigger footprint now because we're not just 25 hours. We're Mama Shelter, we're Hoxton, we're SLS, we're Delano, et cetera. I think it'll allow us to have that bigger voice. And so whereas a smaller victory would have been seen as that, uh, that approach for 25, I think we'll start to be able to push some of the bigger victories down through the business and to allow us to still operate in the way that we're used to operating, but to benefit from the scale of a core. You know, part of the reason we're here is to benefit from what these guys can do for us. And uh, I think it'll be this mutually beneficial relationship as we still have a significant stake in Ennismore in terms of the old guard. 
And so we're able to then say, well, we want to do things our way. And it's a conversation as opposed to a dictation from their side. Nice. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about, uh, you mentioned um, at the beginning, the, 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 the humongous investments into tech generally uh, over the last few months. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But whilst we're talking about that, if you can multitask, I need you to start thinking about a memorable hotel experience. And we're going to talk about that afterwards. Um, so on to matters of investing in tech. And you are absolutely right. You cannot move for um, every other second someone throwing 300 million uh, squidoodles at a tech company, which um, if anyone wants to do that to a PR company, form an orderly queue. Um, but um, yes, so so tech is recognised as a sound and exciting investment. What, um, what does this mean for hotel technology um and my second part of that question because i do enjoy asking multiple questions in one is um are you at a disadvantage if in terms of um evaluation of the company if you don't have that investment when you when the company comes to sell float whatever does it affect value in terms of having technology on board or building your own tech um well that's an interesting question in itself do we do we have it on board or build having it on board okay so i think um starting with the first uh oh, ask me kind of six Part questions of my 13 part um, question yeah it's <laughs> like lord of the rings um i think in terms of what's going on with the investment in the industry what i'd like to see off the back of that is obviously the disruption that comes with it further down the line we've all you know uh, there's so many podcasts about hospitality that will talk about Oracle and the, the bad work that Oracle have done over the last however long and how we all hate Oracle. We still use Oracle. It's still a product that exists. I think it'll be interesting to see how the disruption filters down through that lens of legacy versus startup, kind of young disruption businesses. You know, you think of people like Muse or Lifehouse who are doing things for themselves and have taken large amounts of money to go and challenge the big boys and to, to play in that world. So I think from that side, it'll be a few years before they catch up and overtake, but hopefully that capital should allow them to accelerate past what is capable from the slower players and the kind of more legacy platforms that we have. And with those platforms comes this whole world of openness, which is super exciting. That is, you know, you have a system that can speak in this language. Well, so do we connect the two together. And suddenly what you're left with is the ability to build off the shelf. I like this this product because it gives me the best of guest messaging. I love this PMS because it's open. Therefore, I can connect the two. It takes two days of someone's time and a significantly less large amount of money than it did previously. And at the end of it, what we have is a very solid ecosystem built around two products that we know and love. And then if you want to change this part, the guest messaging part, we'll go and do that three years down the line. And it's not going to disrupt the rest of your business, unlike the monolith which has removed the monolith and you're taking out the beating heart of your operation. So I think it's this idea of uh, kind of decentralizing the hospitality platform and allowing operators to be a bit more versatile. You know, take a 12-month contract, see if it works for you. If it doesn't, kick it out and get something new. It's uh, That's going to be really quite exciting, I think, when it comes to the newer brands that are coming up as well. I think, you know, Lifehouse is one of those where they've built a lot of their own stuff. They've partnered with Muse on other stuff. Um, they've got a really exciting journey ahead of them. And then in terms of second part and valuation, I think 
it's a mix, right? You, you can build your own stuff. You can buy off the shelf. You can, I think when you've got the secret source of knowing what to buy, where to buy, you've got a good opportunity. Um, we build some stuff in Ennismore. We've built, um, we're very proud of our bookie engine that we built in house to kind of challenge the synexuses of the world. We do 40% of our bookings direct on, on brand.com. Um, and we, we believe that significantly helps our value as a brand because we can take away from the Expedias and the bookings of the world. Why give them a cut of our uh, revenue when we can do it ourselves and drive people direct? So I think there's always benefit to build and owning your own tech stack. Um, but you do have to rely on the bigger companies to provide you with certain services in this market. That's, that's great for the smaller brands, but how do you see it going with the sort of the larger operators? Obviously, we had IHG have now relaunched all of their stuff. And if you join their brand, you join their technology. Um, is that, do you see there being more, if you're, you know, an independent operator, maybe you've been quite successful with what you think you've done. Um, how can you, do you think that's a, a disincentive for joining the large brands or do you think they'll become more flexible? I think it's the large brands need to decide the direction they're going in and where they're making their investment. I, I can speak to a core because I happen to be you know, with a team quite frequently. And there's been a huge investment from a core side over the last few years in terms of the tech platform. They're rebuilding a fundamental part of their business right now around distribution with some very exciting partners. And I think they very much are looking to the future. Um, you know, we've had Floor Bleaker come in in the last couple of years and he's really turn things around in terms of the tech here at the core and has pushed it in a direction that is really exciting. It's a cloud cloud first environment. They're looking to scale rapidly. They're going to allow other systems to join in the party. They are speaking to the right people at the right time. So I think there's it's up to the the tech departments within these companies to really establish what happens next and if you want to be open or not. And to a certain extent, I think you're going to need to, if you're wanting to attract those kind of independent brands to come and join you, you're going to need to offer them something that is the flexibility that they don't necessarily see with the other players. This is all about flexibility, isn't it? From the from the augmented hospitality to the flexibility of the tech stack to the it's it's that is I'm going with that as the key word, the key message. Flexibility. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, yeah. I think yeah, it's the it's what I've tried to push at Ennismore for a while is that kind of decentralization making sure that you can take whatever service you want to take without it disrupting significant parts of your business in other directions. Yeah. And actually joking aside, I think that is a valuable point because it's it, the, the technology within the hospitality sector has been misunderstood or terrifying or both for a very long time. And actually, if you can view it as something where you can take the components that work for you um, by virtue of understanding that you need to understand what your guests want, what the business wants, then it be suddenly becomes something that isn't quite as all-consuming, horrifying, nightmare-inducing. I think that's just me. We, we suffered for a while as well because everybody compared hospitality to retail. Uh, you know, retail have got it figured out, so why can't you guys get it figured out? You know, it, but retail didn't really have it figured out. The web had it figured out, but that doesn't that that experience doesn't translate into a hospitality environment. It's it, you know, if I order a meal. In a hotel, I don't want someone coming over to me and saying, you looked at a pair of shoes yesterday. You're still interested in buying that pair of shoes. Like it, it, People need to understand that these are different environments, very much based in the physical world and in the web world. And retail figured it out on the web very early, and there was some amazing work done in that respect. But physical still remains physical, and they, they never truly got there with the physical side. Maybe you could say the Amazon Go stuff is quite interesting if you like being filmed 20,000 different cameras at one time. 
Um, but even that is expensive and not quite there yet. And hospitality never had the opportunity to catch up on the web because it was such a unique one-off product that you were selling, an ephemeral room as opposed to a subscription or anything else. And so we're just still trying to figure out where the physical and digital worlds interact, which is something that I don't think many people get right. Yeah, I was going to say John Lewis valid. at this point. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say John Lewis. <laughs> yeah, I'll rep John Lewis. I'm going to do a great job. And then, Shout out to John Lewis. Always. There we go. Um, how about your, right, how have you been, how's your thinking going on your most memorable hotel experience? Anything you'd like to share with the group? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I'm going to go techie first, and I'm going to go a bit techie a bit more fun so uh, i think it was just when gdpr hit a few years ago we had um i got something hit my desk and it was a picture of a clown yeah and yeah number one that's terrifying uh and number two what's the context of someone handing you a picture of a clown workplace bullying that's what the context is (laughs) that's right yeah people dressing up as clowns and they're just jumping out um, we had uh, received a visit from a very trendy magazine who were testing GDPR policies. And so they had one of their staff dress up as a clown and walk around our site in the hotel. And then they went and requested that they had the footage sent back to them, of course, to test of GDPR. And so then you have to go through the whole legality of, well, can you prove it to you? Can you send us a picture of you in the clown costume? Et so this hilarious exchange between how do you prove the person in the clown costume is indeed the clown and how do we adhere to our policies? Because this is clearly a test at this point. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we passed that test. The, the article was published and we did uh, pass with flying colors. Um, but actually, my, my other memorable experience was last summer. We opened a hotel in Rome and I poked my head in for a week just to see how things are going and how my team were handling the situation and got to spend a week in Rome without any tourists. Mm. And it was fantastic. I went for a run at seven o'clock in the morning, Trevi Fountain, the Coliseum. No one's there. It's just me kind of FaceTiming my wife and kids being like, look at this. There's no one else here. It's great. It's fantastic. I'm in a restaurant with no one else. It's brilliant. Um, and, and obviously, you know, a lot of bad things happen at the pandemic and these are not all good experience. A lot of people stuck at home. Yes. There, there were, there's, there's nothing wrong with finding the occasional win. Yeah. And that was a big win, I think, just being able to experience a city without any other tourists was something I've never had the opportunity to do before. Would highly recommend it. Yes. Yes. No, I'm, I've still got post, post-tourist post return Paris rage. I was trying to walk across a bridge yesterday and it was infested with people taking pictures of themselves. I live in Galloway! It's not the same. <laughs> it's the same. same. It's always the same. And it's the same in London. You can't, can't walk two minutes without oh, hitting someone. Oh, selfie stick. Bringing their money and their alternative lifestyle views. <laughs> <laughs> But they do enjoy a mouldy coffee, so you yeah, know, exactly. potential. Let's not knock a potential target market here. Exactly. Um, Tom, we're heading towards the end, and uh, so unless Catherine has any deep thoughts that she'd like to share, thoughts. questions that she'd like to ask, or any thoughts, um, I've already launched the coffee concept this morning. I think we're done. I, to be honest, for, a, for a Valentine's Day, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's superb work on a Monday morning. So, Tom, we are going to ask you the questions that we ask all our guests at the end of the podcast. And the first one goes like this. When the shutters came up and I had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I did was? Uh, aside from go for dinner with my wife, which is probably the answer everyone gives. Very um, good. Yes, it is. I went to, I started going back to gigs. 
I think it's the one area of hospitality that we've all forgotten about is that kind of arts slash hospitality crossover. And please support the arts if anyone's listening to this. Go and see a gig. Well, I w- didn't go to a gig, but I did go and see the very lovely Mark Rylance, who was at the Bristol Old Vic last Monday, because culture, isn't it? Um, and it was in the real world. And there were two Americans sat in front of me that allegedly had come all the way from America just to watch that play. And I thought, gosh, there you go. When you said allegedly, was this a rumour that spread around the auditorium or did they... Well, no, I so I went by myself. Um, and that's another story and part of my New Year's resolution. But um, so I was eavesdropping because that's what you do when you stop fiddling with your phone. Um, uh, the play wasn't on by this point. And they were chatting to the chaps sitting next to them and saying that they had come all the way from America just to watch this play. And I thought, gosh, look at that international culture travel. It's very interesting. So, yes, but I completely agree with you. Support the arts. Go to the gig. What gig was your first post-pandemic experience? Uh, I went to see a band called Part Chimp, who were a very uh, heavy rock band. Um, they just so happened to be playing down the road from where I live, so it was a convenience showing. Excellent. Would highly recommend them. Everyone check out Part Chimp. We will do that now. Um, the best thing about the hotel sector is? Oh, look, I'm going to be boring. I think it definitely is the people, right? I mean, it's not it's not anything else but just being in a room with a bunch of people who are truly aligned on giving someone the best experience they've ever had, be it surprise or delight or just, you know, making something special on Valentine's day. It's just, I happen to be today. Um, yeah, it's, it's always got to be the people for me. I was in, I was, I was in finance before this. So, you know, just being welcomed uh, into a room is an alien situation. You're still very much flying high yeah. on that. I still, I still like, I still enjoy people <laughs> smiling when they see me. That's still something that's new. Very good. The hotel sector would be significantly improved if. I was thinking about this one. Um, aside from certain companies not doing what they're doing, I think it would be super cool if you came up with the Google Lens and you could tell what everyone's guest preferences were and you knew who someone was when they walked in. Of course, you'd have to break several laws to make that happen. So I'm not I'm not an advocate of that particularly, but I think it would make for an interesting concept where you could walk in and know who someone was and see what they were into. Didn't, didn't we go through a period of trying those? We did. We all yes, I, I tried one and it was disturbing. Because um, uh, they can't be back, apparently. I, yeah, I don't like things being happening on in, in my it's, eye. It's Apple, Apple are doing it next. So you know something's going to go right there. Yes, although I, I still don't have an Apple Watch, um, which I find confusing. Um, I stopped wearing mine. I only wear it for exercise now. Oh, no. So Because it, it didn't have – there was no USP. It didn't – so what if it lasers, if it had like a laser that came out of it, yes. I'm a I'm a thirty something year old man. No one's texting me. Like it's not as if I'm getting pinged with thousands of messages a day. So it just became kind of irrelevant to have this thing on my wrist. Yeah. I would be happy to buy one. When they launched it, I was committed to the idea that I would inevitably have to buy it. Um and then it didn't do anything that I wanted it to do. Seven generations in, great holdout. <laughs> Truly a conversation killer, that one. Seventh generation Apple Watch. Oh, lasers. I need lasers. I am up for a watch with lasers. That's just Um, so useful, the tube. Oh, it really would. And that would that would see your bothersome tourists exactly. right back from wherever they came from. <laughs> yes. You guys are just pitching the James Bond watch, you realise this. <laughs> yes. Okay, fine. Well, yeah. 
it ain't make it happen. It ain't broke. I'd have one of those cars as well. I'm not saying I'm an original thinker. And Aston Martin, yeah, I think a lot of people will be right. Yeah, I wouldn't say no. No, no. Right, doesn't have to be fancy. I just, you know, I'll make all of his stuff. It's no problem. Three Aston Martins coming up. Um, What the industry needs now is? Uh, Again, nothing original. I think the, the investment in people. We're all struggling for staff. We're all struggling for good people. I think we need companies to really make that investment in their in their teams and show people the love over the last couple of years. Uh, well, because the last couple of years have been so devastating for the industry and for everybody working in it. So I think a bit of um, a bit of faith from everybody would be uh, appreciated at a time like this. I think the other side is, of course, heads on beds, bums on seats. We need people to go back where it's safe to do so. Um, I would encourage travel where it's safe to do so. It's great to walk into a lobby and see. I was in the Hoxton Paris last night. Not a not a plug, um, but it was a full restaurant, and a, you know I, I struggled for a seat at the bar, and that's a really nice feeling after two years of not having to have that issue. Did you get a seat eventually? Did you just boot people out and say, "Do you know who I am?" Yeah, yeah, and a lot of them didn't, which is very upsetting. Um, but uh, maybe laser, if, had if you had a laser watch, yeah, yeah. laser watch exactly. To my point, it's only so people can recognise me. Mm. And finally, I'd like to think we've learned from this. Uh, I would like to think we've learned from this that flexible working is a, a thing that can exist. Um, but within reason, of course, I'm not talking about the operational teams who need to be in a building every day. But I think we need to understand that there should be an element of flexibility in the working environment, whoever you are and whatever you do. And I've certainly changed the way I approach work as a result of the pandemic. And I hope a lot of people have as well. And I hope that people work for companies that are able to support that. So how do you approach work? I uh, do as little as possible. Thank um, of course. Uh, no, I, I, I moved. I, I relocated myself up north. I come down to London three days a week and I travel when I need to travel. And I spend time with my kids. It's great. I love it. Would recommend. Flexibility. Again. Oh, writes itself absolutely um tom that was nothing but pure delight thank you so much for your time um all your words of wisdom and um basically inspiring us to um diversify from the pr investment game into moldy coffee um which will be game changing and laser watches well look if anyone if anyone wants to hit me up on linkedin for some sourdough tips feel free um, always available to talk about starters. Thank you very much for your time. Have a lovely rest of your stay in Paris. Do make sure you don't go to sleep there. Um, find your way out of that building safely. Thank you very much. And I uh, very much appreciate you having me on. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Tom. Well, absolute joy. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And do join us again next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.